Sam's Sports Podcast. Everybody, get yourselves ready, strap yourselves in, plug in the seatbelts, pull over the, the airplane fighter jet straps, because it's about to go down. It's going down. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah, you know how it works. Okay, so today is Saturday. March 12th, 2016. This is an NBA Sam Sports Podcast. I love myself some basketball. I wanted to talk a little bit about basketball today. I've been stewing quite a bit on NFL and football recently. I felt it was some time to shift gears, get back to the b-ball, a little bit back to the free-flowing, fast-moving sport that's still in session right now. Even though there's been a lot of free agent moves and acquisitions in the NFL, I wanted to take some time to come back to the NBA. And the first bit of news I want to comment on is that last night, my Philadelphia 76ers won a game. (sighs) (sighs) Woo! Woo! Beating the Brooklyn Nets, one of the other terrible, awful teams in the league. They actually pulled out a win. It went down to the wire, got close, but... Sixers did manage to pull out a six-point win at home against the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets being one of the few teams that has actually lost to the Sixers more than once this season, joining that small company with the Phoenix Suns. Um, However, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention injury news related to the Sixers. Uh, Specific to last night's game in particular, Robert Covington Uh, was taken off the court in a stretcher and had to go to the hospital for some precautionary measures. There was a bit of a freak play where it was um, Jeremy Grant, I think, was going up to uh, block a shot from Donald Sloan, one of the players for the Nets. He goes up, Sloan, he he ends up getting the foul, he fouls Sloan, but he kind of gets above him and falls on top of him. And Jeremy Grant's legs go up in the air, and one of his legs whacks Robert Covington right in the face. I watched the replay a couple of times, judging, this is just my opinion. This is Sam Rosenberg's opinion. It's like an asshole. Everybody's got one. I got one too. So, I saw him get hit in the face. The way Covington fell, I think he got knocked unconscious. I think he kind of fell like a sack of bricks, and then he was down on the ground for a little bit, and I think they really brought out the stretcher as a precautionary measure. At this 2016, we've gotten to the point where concussions and neck and head injuries are not taken nearly as lightly as they were 15, 20, 30 years ago. We know that now, maybe it's not that big a deal, but let's at least take the precaution, be safe, you know, better be safe than sorry. Listen, I'd rather have him get taken out on a stretcher, go to the hospital, and then find out everything's okay and he's going to be just fine. I'd rather that be the case. So, a little scary Uh, I, so far he sounds like he's okay. We don't know how quickly he'll be back. Um, Jeremy Grant was also put into a concussion protocol. He kind of came down awkwardly as well, though he was able uh, to get up and walk off the court. Uh, Unlike Covington, uh, Jeremy Grant also definitely looked like he got banged around in that game in that particular hit. So a little sad for them to stay on injury news for the Sixers. The news has come out. It is official. Jaleel Okafor has a small tear in his meniscus in his knee. So he has now missed three games due to soreness in his knee. It's official. He will have arthroscopic knee surgery. They're going to shut him down for the rest of the season. Makes perfect sense. The Sixers are tanking anyway. It doesn't, you don't need to be fighting your way through it and dragging Jaleel Okafor, you know, back onto the court. It's just, you know, 
Typical of the Sixers, you know, another injury, he's going down, he's going to miss the rest of the season. Oh, God, he got a paper cut, so let's shut him down for three months. Well, this makes perfect sense, you know. He's played his heart out. They're not going to do anything else this season. If anything, let's just hope they can get a 10th win this year and at least have double-digit wins and a better record than that all-time losing Sixers season, if you guys know what I mean. Dr. Mark, you know what I mean. One of the few positives I think that does come out of a situation like this with all these injuries is that some of these guys who can get more time on the floor will get more time on the floor. We'll see more of, uh, you know, um, Hollis Thompson. Uh, we'll see more of Jeremy Grant. We'll see. I like Jeremy Grant. He's a guy that's sneakily kind of becoming a pretty valuable uh, member of this team. Kind of makes me think of Tony Roten before he got hurt. You notice that Tony Roten hasn't been back all season? When's he coming back? I know he tore his ACL last year, but is he coming back this season? Foxy, you smelly sack of poo. Do me a favor. Find out exactly when um, what's-his-face is coming back from the ACL tear. You know Roten? Yeah, find out. Yo, listen, uh, check this out, Sam. The Philadelphia 76ers waved Tony Roten on Christmas Eve, and he's been signed by the New York Knicks. What? Foxy. Wow, that certainly exploits my complete ignorance of the fact that I had no idea what was going on with Tony Roten. I thought for sure the Sixers would at least hang on to him, but that does sound like the Sixers. You know what? You're not going to help us right now. We're planning for the future. Get on out of here. That's uh. That's a little bit of a shame, to be quite honest. But uh, still, my point is that the injuries to some of these bigger guys will allow for other guys to come back and start to thrive a little bit. We'll see a little bit more Jeremy Grant, see a little bit more Ish Smith. Maybe we'll see some more TJ McConnell. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have enough time. You know what I'm talking about? So, um, that's all I really want to say on the Sixers. That we could go on for right now. That the Sixers, you know, their season will end. It will. It will end soon enough. We'll get some good basketball out of them to watch. You get to see them hustle. At least now, this deep into the season, they're at least producing a little bit better. The games are a little bit more competitive. Um, I, I'd like to think that the Elton Brand, Carl Landry veteran infusion is adding a little bit more leadership to the team. I'd like to think that. I, I don't know, but. Hey, listen, they won a game. I'm feeling pretty positive. Uh, let's go around the league a little bit. I just want to reflect on some of the games from last night uh, and also kind of use that as a springboard to discuss some of these leagues. So let's go to the one of the most popular teams in the league, the Golden State Warriors. They were able to pick up another win last night at home, so they were able to extend their historic home winning streak. They beat the Portland Trailblazers, which, listen, they were saying, was this revenge? Because the Portland Trailblazers were, I think, the most recent team to blow out and, and defeat the Warriors. And now this time around, Trailblazers came to uh, Oakland, California, did not have the same outcome. They lost, I believe, the Splash Brothers did something like they dropped... I think between the two teams, there was like a record-setting 30-some-odd three-pointers that got shot in this game. I ended up watching a highlight reel and just saw dozens and dozens of highlights of, of Clay Thompson and Steph Curry just dropping threes from everywhere on the court. It was very pretty. Uh, something to note, though, that comes out of this game is that um, Iguodala had an ankle strain in this game. So Iguodala had to leave the game with an ankle issue. Now, Steph Curry is still playing, and I think we need to give credit to his youth and his amazing athletic body for bouncing back from these injuries. But what you see is he had a rolled ankle about a week or so, too, and he only missed a single game. However, as the season goes on, we have to be mindful of this. These little knick-knacky injuries that are going to accrue over the course of the season. This is what the Spurs do. 
the Spurs are very good at monitoring minutes and trying to really kind of hedge against the little knick-knacky, you know, freak twisted ankle that's going to come up that's really going to inhibit their ability to perform in the playoffs. So Iguodala getting hurt, that's it, it, it gives you pause. You have to sit there and go, you know, maybe we should be thinking twice about how uh, who we put on the court and when we put them on the court. And is this breaking the Bulls record of 72 wins really our true goal here? Is it worth it? Is it worth maybe losing some key pieces over the course of the season? You know, only the Warriors are gonna, and only the Warriors can do that, and they're going to be putting on a show every step of the way. So, good luck to them. They pulled out another win. Iguodala got hurt. Got to be mindful of that. A um, couple other things to mention that happened last night. Uh, the Celtics. So the Celtics actually had a great home winning streak that got snapped. Um, they lost a home game to the Houston Rockets, of all people. Uh, but the big thing that came out of it was Jay Crowder also having a bit of an injury. I think he also twisted an ankle. I think it's a, been diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. Jay Crowder, and to discuss a little bit about the Boston Celtics, they have really been making noise this season. Of the last couple of years of building something, this is really the year where they're starting to come together and it's really exciting. Uh, and Jay Crowder is a big part of that. Isaiah Thomas... Uh, you know, Avery Bradley, Evan Turner is now in discussion for sixth man of the year. Uh, Evan Turner, former 76er. I wish he had blossomed on the Sixers like he is on the Celtics right now. Um, but these things are now happening for the Celtics. However, with this Jay Crowder injury, it's disappointing. It puts a damper on their hotness right now. Uh, it's certainly Isaiah Thomas came out after the game last night and said that losing Jay Crowder was probably a big reason why they ended up losing last night's game. They lost by four points to the Rockets at home. Um, but I would be scared of this Celtics team going to the playoffs. They've been building towards something. This is the first year where I think they're really going to be, you know, seeing the actualization of the work that they've been building towards. Uh, last year, they squeaked into the playoffs. This year, they're the looking to be the number three seed in the Eastern Conference, and that's not anything to, uh, to turn your nose up at. Now, I do, before I get out of the Eastern Conference, I want to sit up at the top of the Eastern Conference and talk again about the Raptors. Now, the Raptors and the Cavs didn't play last night, but the Cavaliers have pretty much been dominating the Eastern Conference. And for quite some time, I don't know if anybody has really been challenging them. I've been saying this before. This is my controversial topic that I'm going to keep floating out there because I'm trying to find more controversial things to say to get people to email me and contact samsportstation at gmail.com. Email me. Come talk to me. Tell me how I'm wrong. I want to find something to say that is not good or controversial or wrong so you can be like, Sam, you're an idiot. Uh, well, here's something I'm going to throw out there. The Raptors. The Raptors are about, I think they're about two games behind the um, behind the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. I think that the Raptors have a chance to catch up with them. I think that the Raptors actually have a chance. Let me confirm. I'm looking right now. Come on, computer. Come on. I don't want to get Foxy's smelly ass in here. Two and a half games right now. The Raptors are two and a half games behind the Cavaliers. Now... Do you see the Raptors finishing number one in the Eastern Conference? Because right now, I'm saying, my opinion, I think they got it. I think the Toronto Raptors can finish number one in the Eastern Conference ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Raptors are doing this with pretty much 
just a couple of superstars. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are playing out of their minds, but they're also dealing with other injury issues. They've got Luis Scola on their starting line. Damari Carroll was a big addition to this Raptors team. He's been injured all season. There's a very good chance he's not even going to come back this season. This is really a team that's putting everything together with just a couple of key guys. Valachunas, you know, he's got his weaknesses too, but it doesn't matter. DeRozan and Lowry are pretty scary tandem. They're almost like Lillard and McCollum out in Portland, and you've got to be afraid of this Toronto team. I think for the first time in many years, this Toronto team is going to make noise and start to, you know, really be scary in the playoffs, maybe finally get out of the first round, um, uh, hearkening back to those Vince Carter days. Uh, away from the East, uh, to stay in the Eastern Conference, excuse me, I want to talk about the Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets, after harrowing and, and, and wallowing in just terrible basketball for many, many years, this season, they were really starting to turn it around. The beginning of the season felt kind of forgettable, uh, but as the season has gone on and some of their players have come back, uh, I really need to give them some credit for their good play. They've been playing very well. They've been winning games. Uh, Kemba Walker, you know, you really need to give him some credit. He's, his play has improved. The addition of Nicholas Batum on this team can't be can't be overstated enough. I mean, this having him come to this team was a huge win for them. And he's a guy that was much needed for them. You're also seeing a little bit of a resurgence of Marvin Williams. I mean, a guy who I think was a little bit forgotten is now having a career year in Charlotte. And what they're also finding is uh, Al Jefferson, who I think was the real anchor of their post, is coming off the bench for them. And that's actually becoming a positive for them. He, he brings a nice energy off the bench. Uh, bench. He brings a, nice, uh, uh, a real physicality. But they're also seeing that having him be a focal point of their offense and being in their starting line is not as productive. And I got to give Steve Clifford, the coach of the, of the Hornets, some credit. And kudos to Michael uh, Michael Jordan. They've finally been turning this team around. Some of the key pieces that are actually working out, Jeremy Lin, uh, Frank Kaminsky, if you remember him from the... Uh, the uh, the basket the NCAA basketball championships from yester uh, from last year. If you remember him, he's actually uh, carving out a nice spot as a rookie on this Charlotte Hornets team. And of course, Lynn Sanity, Jeremy Lynn's on this team with that ridiculous spiky hair he's got, um, bringing a lot to the Charlotte Hornets. And they're also sort of taking a few teams by storm. They're now winning games. They're moving up in the standings. Right now, they're ranked. Uh, Five in the Eastern Conference standings. That's something is Charlotte, uh, Miami, they're really moving up. The teams like Chicago and Washington are really dropping off the map. The Chicago Bulls have completely fallen off of a cliff this year. And you know what? Let's stay with the Bulls for a second because they truly have fallen off a cliff. Last night, they lost a home game to the Miami Heat. This is good. We can talk about both the Heat and the Bulls. Now, the Bulls, injury issues, Okay. Injury issues and poor management and coaching. So number one, bringing in Fred Hoiberg. I don't think this is a bad decision, but it's a new coach. It's a new scheme. It's a new structure. And he's a new, he's a rookie uh, NBA coach. He's coached um, in the college level. Uh, he is a former NBA player, but this is his first time coaching an NBA team. And 
it was a huge misstep, in my opinion, to start the season with Joe Kim Noah coming off the bench. Then you've got a Joe Kim Noah injury. Then you see uh, Nikola Miritich's play has really dropped off this season, and there was an injury to him. Mike Dunleavy was a big part of their playoff team last year. He's had injuries for most of the season. Derek Rose, of course, has been having injuries his entire career, and he's been in and out this season. But one of the biggest kickers is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler with a knee issue, missed some time, came back, played one game. Now he's getting a second opinion. The only guy who seems to be showing up every night to play on this team is friggin' Pau Gasol and some of these other rookies. Pau Gasol, Doug McDermott, um, Bobby Portis. These guys are the guys who are actually doing anything worth watching on this Bulls team. And, uh, you know, that's still not enough. They need the Derrick Roses, the Jimmy Butlers. If Jimmy Butler was playing, this team would be back in playoff contention in a heartbeat. But with all these guys missing, they just keep losing games, and they can't close out games. That's something that cannot be taken lightly. They don't know how to close out a game. Now, the team that beat them last night, the Miami Heat, is finding a way to get wins, even with injuries that they're dealing with. Chris Bosh going down with, it. it's not another blood clot issue, but it sort of is. They're now saying, they're now saying he's missed a couple of weeks, but they're saying there's a real chance he can come back for the playoffs, and the doctors are saying his blood clot issue might be completely cleared up, at least for the time being, which would be a big win for the Miami Heat. However, in the meantime, though Chris Bosh has been out, they've been playing without him. You've seen improved play from Goran Dragic, even though Dragic has had quite a bit of difficulty fitting in with this Miami Heat team ever since he signed the big contract. This season has not been a banner year for Dragic. Now, someone else who's really, you know, I think is the eternal conundrum is Hassan Whiteside. This guy just, it's like stats are coming out of his ears. He scores, he rebounds, he blocks, he's physical, but there's also a sense that he's a bit of a head case, and Miami is unsure if they want to commit to him in the long term. So, in the meantime, it's a positive because he's helping you win. You know, in the long run, you're not sure if he's part of your future. Uh, but, uh, the other thing to say about Miami is I can't go, I can't say enough about the rest of their team. They've just are littered with these talented players who are either in their prime or getting towards the end of their prime. So Dwayne Wade is still, I mean, it's almost like he's playing how he was before LeBron James arrived. We all thought he was kind of over the hill, but his play has really uh, been productive this season. The scary part about it is that I think the league is moving away from the Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, I want to isolate the ball, get out of my way, I'm just going to score. And they're moving more towards a ball movement type situation. And I almost feel like Dwayne Wade might be hampering that production. However, you, you can't, you can't, you can't turn your nose up at the fact that he's Dwayne Wade and he's helping you win every single night. And he's one of the best players you have on your team. You can't argue with that. Um, a big addition, which has worked out very well, is once the Brooklyn Nets cut Joe Johnson, the Miami Heat went and picked up Joe Johnson. They've been winning ever since he arrived. He has been an excellent addition to the Miami Heat. Really, really supplementing the play of Luol Deng. Luol Deng is playing well on the Miami Heat. Amari Stoudemire, remember Amari Stoudemire? He's the starting center for the Miami Heat. Now, granted, he only plays about 15, 20 minutes a game, and you see a lot more of Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow is playing very well for Miami as well. Um, this team is hot right now. Um, 
the scary thing I think of is if they come back with Chris Bosh soon and then they start getting even scarier in the playoffs. I can really see them making some noise and getting far enough in. Now, the other teams that are kind of in the mix right now with them are the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks really, you know really fell off from last season. They've played very well, but Jeff Teague's play has dropped off. They've really been kind of moving away from him, moving much more closer to Dennis Schroeder being their main point guard. They went and picked up uh, Kirk Heinrich again from the Chicago Bulls. I love having Heinrich as a backup point guard. Millsap, Horford, it's a good team. The magic from last season is kind of gone, though. They they can't really replicate the same things that have been happening that they did last year, and I think they're just going to be another lame duck first-round exit in the Eastern Conference. Um, the other two teams that are actually in the playoffs right now, uh, the, Atlanta, the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers. Um, the Pacers, I really think, have been playing some good ball. They've really started to find some positive play from their rookies in Miles Turner, um, you know, Paul George is is essentially back to superstar caliber. It's like he never left. It's amazing. After that gruesome, gruesome uh, leg injury he had last year, to see him come all the way back to the talent level that he's at. Um, and, of course, I respect Frank Vogel uh, to, the, to the highest degree as a coach of the Indiana Pacers. I think he's a fantastic coach and, uh, you know, coaching a hell of a team there. So I think they'll they'll – They'll, they'll make some noise in the playoffs. I don't think they'll get past the first round, but I see them as a little bit more of a, a, a better uh, playoff team right now than, say, the Atlanta Hawks. I'm not feeling the Atlanta Hawks at all, um, nor am I feeling the Washington Wizards. You know, Udi, I, I love the Wizards. They got an exciting team, but they've really had injury issues this year. The Wizards are another team that's kind of fallen off the cliff and is also getting caught in this realm of older basketball. They're still hooked on to the, the Marchin Gortat, Nene, these sort of big guys who are going to clog up the lane. You know, Gortat has a little bit of an outside shot, but they're not focusing on the future where they're going to need big stretch fours to open up the floor and get three-point shooting out of. John Wall and Bradley Beal are made for that, but sooner or later, they're going to have to carve the rest of the roster to complement that. And I think it worked a year or two ago, um, but, you know, Paul Pierce is gone. I, I think it can't be stated enough how much a Paul Pierce brought to a team like the Washington Wizards just brings that grit that you need to kind of fight through a playoff series. And I don't know if they have that. I mean, I don't even think they're going to get to the playoffs this year. And you know what? It's probably going to spell um, the last year for Randy Whitman. I think he'll finally get fired. He's got a lot of love from the organization. But, you know, there's only so many times you can, you can lose and, and still keep your job. The Wizards are still two and a half games out of the playoff picture, so anything can happen. The season is not over. They've still got John Wall. They've still got some dangerous pieces there. And knowing how fickle and fluctuating that bottom four or five seeds in the Eastern Conference is right now, anything can really happen. I mean, you got, let me look at this. You got Charlotte, Atlanta, Indiana, Detroit, Chicago, Washington. There's really only four or five games separating all of those teams. I mean, they're really in the mix. A couple of games, a couple of win-losses here or there can change the entire playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. Let's shift to the Western Conference for just a second. There's some really interesting storylines going on in the Western Conference. One of the things I want to mention is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Last night... The Oklahoma City Thunder lost a home game 
to the Minnesota Timberwolves, Ricky Rubios hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to win the game. One of those silence the crowd type moments. It was beautiful. I loved it. Uh, I had to mention it on the podcast, but... It highlights the fact that the Thunder have had some issues, late game issues, closing out games as of the last month or so. And whereas they were dominating and really had kind of been that 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 third string top tier team in the Western Conference, now the Los Angeles Clippers are kind of crawling in and, and getting close to them. The Thunder are really only a game and a half in front of the LA Clippers right now. So the Clippers and the Thunder are kind of mushed into the same realm at this point in time. And lots of late game collapses by the Thunder, I've noticed. It's just a couple of times, saw it against the Clippers, I saw it against the Warriors. Very disappointing. Um, for all of the amazing play that is going on in Oklahoma City, I think some of this needs to be attributed to the coach. You know, as amazing as that team is, they just have had so many questionable, well, not so many questionable, two questionable coaches. You go from Scott Brooks, who I really think is a guy who, yeah, I don't want to knock Scott Brooks, but I think he was somebody that was, you know, winning games because he had an amazing team. He's got two of the best players in the NBA on his team. You know, in some ways, how can you screw that up? And I think we saw over the course of his playoffs, you know, every year when they would get in the playoffs, there would be some questionable coaching decisions through the uh, through those win one of those playoff games that would decide an entire series. And you couldn't help but sit there and say, you know what, that was the coach. What are you know? When are we gonna make an upgrade from Scott Brooks? And now they go get Billy Donovan. You know, for all of the you know success that Billy Donovan has had, again, it's still a college coach. It's a guy who's never coached in the NBA before. It's different when you got a bunch of college kids that you're coaching versus having a bunch of millionaire NBA superstars where you've got to get everybody on the same page. It doesn't simply work that way. So. I have to look at the coaching when it comes to some of these big losses for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it gives me pause because I was thinking that this is a team that's definitely going to be making some more noise going into the playoffs and surprising people. And now I feel like they're mired in a little bit of that second round, you know, quagmire that the Clippers have been stuck in for years. Um, to stay in this Western Conference, I do want to mention the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have really, it's just sad. They're a team that has been playoff bound, playoff dangerous for years, yet cannot get over that hump. And this year, they are just stricken by injury. I think this year may have been one of the last real windows of the Marc Gasol, Zach Randolph championship Grizzly era. And I think it might be over before it's begun with injury. Gasol is pretty much done for the season. Um, Mario Chalmers tore his Achilles just the other night and the Grizzlies had to cut him because they simply don't have enough healthy guys on their roster. They traded away Courtney Lee for draft picks. They traded away Jeff Green for draft picks and Lance Stevenson. Yeah, I don't think they're screaming for Lance Stevenson on that Grizzly team. However, they're still winning games and they're still fifth in the Western Conference. They're still going to get into the playoffs and make noise, which I think speaks a lot about their organization, uh, the grit, the fans, and the coaching. You know, Dave Yeager, give him some credit, man. He, you know, in some ways, it's like get in there and don't screw up the good things that are happening. He hasn't, and I think he's done good things with that Grizzly team, and they're going to make some noise. They'll probably scare a, a team in the first round. They actually, I think with their number five seed, they're probably going to be matched up again with uh, the Clippers or the Thunder, and you know what? 
they're going to give they're going to cause trouble for either one of those teams and i can see the grizzlies even with their injury depleted uh roster still scaring a team like the thunder or the clippers in the first round and maybe even surprising them because if there's anything you we know about the grizzlies do not underestimate them in the playoffs they will take you to seven games and they will upset you if you don't if you don't keep your guard up so something to be mindful of with the grizzlies but you know, they're planning for the future. They they jettisoned a couple of assets so they could get future draft picks. They they know the end is near and they got a plan for the future and, and a good job because other franchises don't seem to know how to run themselves, period. And at least the Grizzlies are looking towards the future and knowing let's win now the best we can and then make the most of the guys that we're gonna get. So something to be thinking of. The Clippers, let's let's focus on the Clippers for just a brief moment here. Clippers are still in the mix of this, are they better or worse with or without Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin is still not back, recovering from that broken hand after punching his coworker, um, and they're still kind of winning games. Uh, and it's a lot of it is Chris Paul. Chris Paul, even at his age, is playing out of his mind. JJ Redick is still dangerous. You know, they've really liked Jeff Green as an addition to that team. You know. They've done some great things, and I got to give props to Doc Rivers. He's brought in some good people. He's made some bad decisions, but you know he does have a way of bringing in guys and trying to make the most of them. And uh, I, I like what he's doing. Again, I don't know if it means they get out of the second round of the playoffs. I'm just going to go out there, going to go say it, going to put it out there. I don't think it means they're getting out of the second round of the playoffs. Those are my thoughts on the matter. So um, that's what I wanted to say about the Western Conference. I don't know if I need to dwell too much more on any of these other teams in the Western Conference. I mean, Portland Trailblazers, Houston Rockets, Dallas Mavericks. I, I just, I like the Portland Trailblazers. I think Lillard and McCollum can make noise, uh, just like the Grizzlies can make noise. The Houston Rockets are embarrassing. They're embarrassing. They shouldn't even be in the playoffs. They're squeaking in because, you know, it's it's funny. The Western Conference you know, for the first time in a handful of years, is now a little bit more evenly matched with the Eastern Conference in the sense that it's not just thoroughly dangerous. These last couple of teams in the Western Conference are meh. I mean, you got the Houston Rockets in the seven seed at 33 and 32 with the same exact record as the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks are 500. This is, I just, I mean, Dallas, that's a talent thing. I mean, with Dirk and Darren Williams, you know, Mark Cuban does this. He gets some of these older veteran guys, and he finds a way to get an additional year or two out of them. But the reality is, these are older veteran guys who only have a couple of years left, period. And he's going to move on from Darren Williams. He's going to keep Dirk Nowitzki until he retires. Um, but I think Chandler Parsons is going to be out the door. And, you know, kudos to Mark Cuban. At least he makes his team competitive every year. He's not pulling a 76ers where he chooses to just tank and lose all these games. Never, I don't think that will ever happen with Mark Cuban. He's a smart enough businessman to know that you only need a certain pe- a couple of guys to keep your team competitive. And he knows that Dirk is a very important part to their franchise, and he is going to do everything he can to make that Mavericks team competitive for Dirk as long as Dirk is there. He wants to give Dirk a reason to stay in Dallas every single year Dirk is playing basketball. Kudos to Mark Cuban. Anyway, that's that, I think that's about all I got for today. I just needed to rant about the NBA. I needed to talk about it. There was a lot of things going on, a lot of feelings that I had about the NBA. I'd been, talk, I'd been watching a lot of NFL free agency, had to yak about the NBA. Those are my thoughts. Thanks for listening, guys. You're the best. I'm going to do some promos for myself today. Uh, my second episode of Sam's Sports Show, the radio hour from 10 to 11 a.m. on 610 AM radio ESPN. 
in Philadelphia. So if you're in local Philadelphia, you can tune to, tune into 610 AM on the dial or go to 610amsports.com to listen to me on the internet. As always, you can find my podcast, Sam Sports Podcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to all of them. Email me at Sam Sports Station. I want to get some emails. Give me some crazy questions. Sam Sports Station at gmail.com or tweet at me. Find me on Twitter. I'm at, at Smithface Jones is my Twitter handle. At Smithface Jones. S-M-I-T-H-F-A-C-E-J-O-N-E-S. At Smithface Jones. Email me. Where am I emailed at? You know where I'm emailed at, samsportsstation at gmail.com. All right, I'm, I'm done plugging. I'm done plugging myself. Thank you guys for listening. I love you so much. We'll be back soon. We'll be talking more basketball, more football. Until then, bye-bye.